Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where all of us are still the people you know and love us to be. Mm-hmm. Nothing's <laughs> changed. That feels rude. That feels rude after the last episode and the, and the amount of what the fucks that I got. I thought who changed, but it's still me. I'm still Amanda. It's a multi-tool is new, but I, I Amanda, I'm Amanda. Oh, right. Amanda has always worn 80s-style windbreakers and has a mohawk, obviously. No. I like that look. That'd be a dope look. I've always liked that look, Amanda. Thank you. I think we should just get that elephant out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're uh, we're going to go ahead and put Spoily Corner in the front right here because everybody, don't worry. So the, the things that we are definitely going to cover in the next couple episodes and a few questions, the next after party, stuff like the class and subclass and mechanics of multi-tool, how Aki changed, is it permanent, who remembers what, how does this touch the story that's been told already, timelines, preserver, sushi, if Tegan is dating Aggie and or multi-tool, all <laughs> the things that you guys have asked in Spoily Corner, we are definitely going to cover. So don't worry, we're going to get there. Absolutely. I think that it's really important for you to tell everyone what pizza's dog breed is again, and uh, if pizza and sushi would hang out. Pizza is like a terrier mix with like a wiry coat, kind of like wishbone with sort of uh, like a mix of lots of different kinds of colors, like a cute, a cute uh, rescue. Like a Jack That's Russell mix? Yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that was the after party. Uh, <laughs> to check, out, <laughs> check out all of our stuff on social media. We really appreciate it. Next episode is coming out in a week. Bye, guys. <laughs> but lots of people would like to know what happened. <laughs> How, <laughs> Eric, what were your plans going into this? How you and I talked about what was going to happen and Brandon and Julia, what what was a surprise to you and when you learned it? So, Eric, how about let's start with going into structuring this encounter. What was the kind of situation with the sea of time? And we'll get into like inspiration, like cool questions, stuff like that. But like if we got splashed, how did you know what would happen? Sure. Here are the mechanics. I just have the notes here. So obviously on initiative one, you battle against the seas of time. That was the group wisdom check to steer back to your regular timeline. That was the collective DC of wisdom 55, which has changed uh, there. Then the time shark, um, the time, time shark, shark has a time shark. It's a defender of the time deep. Uh, I also love that everyone loves the time shark. That makes me feel really good about myself. And the time shark blesses you on all of, on. You're going to get somewhere five minutes early. And that's because of the time shark. Oh, is it, though? Because the time shark's dead now. Is it dead, though? Can you line. really kill? Can you really? I The time shark has like MMO resurrection. Okay, so okay you, good. You have to wait like five minutes and it has like a 10 percent penalty. But it's just slowly over time. It works its way back. And the gotcha. time shark continues to defend time. I was super worried that we had like killed the concept of time. But then there were more immediate things for me to worry about after the fight. So <laughs> well, you guys definitely pissed off the concept of time, <laughs> <laughs> which is part of the reason why what happened to Aggie happened to Aggie. But we'll get I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the time shark has advantage on initiative and is never surprised. Also, if you had gotten ahead of the time shark in the initiative order, it would have had advantage on all attacks uh, against that creature. Oh, that's oh, neat whoa. and terrifying. Wow. It, it was a real, like, pr this probably won't happen, but if you happen to fuck with the time shark, the time shark will fuck with you because it has advantage and it already, it already has plus two to dex. So it's entirely possible that it would get ahead of you, but that that didn't happen. They, that's why that was the first thing that happened. It got, like, a... Aggie got a 20 and the time shark got, like, a 23. 
as looking at the initiative. And then on initiative count 10 was kind of like the trap. You know, you can put stuff in your initiative where something cues like that. And that was the waves of time. Basically, you just need to hold yourself fast. Strength checks. DC 12, you get splashed. Uh, and then something changes in your backstory, like what happened to Brandon, when uh, where Thornhill became Taffy now. <laughs> um, what happened to Aggie the first time, changing the name of the sister. And what happened to John Paul, why John Paul is super into Beanie Babies. I feel like people missed that one, which I, I really appreciated it. I th- Thank you. I was really, ha- I was really happy with that. Uh, and then if the lower DC, it, I had written it as DC 6, but then it went higher when the concept of time was pissed at you for killing the time shark. Then you were hit overboard, and then that's when Aggie did the uh, dex check where you kind of like ran your body was running in the actual uh, seas of time. So that's mechanically what happened. Did you have a scale of how serious the changes would be? I and In my head, there were three. It was one splash and then two was overboard, but put yourself in quickly or getting splashed multiple times. And then three, if you were totally overboard with your whole body submerged, then it would have been a real uh, Achilles situation. <laughs> Oh my! What would have happened if we did that? Do you think? Like, what, what's a what's an example? Well, the, the, let's get to the actual question of what what I'm saying. I asked y'all questions that I thought were interesting, so that's why I was like, okay, if Aggie gets splashed, I'm like, I was like, oh, let's change the name of your sibling. I didn't have any of them written out. It, that was very much on the fly, and it was tailored to each one of you. Brandon, I almost asked you to change the name of someone else, but I wanted to change it. I wanted you to do something different and something that affected like the world at large, which is why I thought Thornhill was so funny. Now there's like a different coffee shop, but Thornhill is now so much more, like Lake Town City is now so much more like Atlantic City. No. <laughs> there's like a bustling candy taffy place. What's the What's the coffee shop that was next door that was owned by the witch the person? The Java Witch. Java the Java Witch. Witch. Conjure Java. Conjure yeah. Java. That's where I got my coffee Conjure Java is the big brand. Yeah. Oh, boy. Now, now there's no there's no Starbucks there anymore. Now it's kind of just like uh, like a, lots of very small coffee places, which I find I found so funny. There's probably a Dunkin' now in Lake Town City, no. which there wasn't one before. Or Tim Hortons. Yeah. Oh, no. There's a Tim Hortons. There are Tim Hortons now. Acceptable. Tim Hortons is definitely there. Yes. We've ta- We've had this conversation. That's why Timbley Tombley's came out in the first yes. place. Yes. That's is. right. There's a Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is now the uh, coffee chain in Lake Town City. So, yeah, I asked you you all that uh, on the fly and I changed. I wanted to change something that was like integral to you as a person. I think that's also why I, I asked that of Brandon was that Thornhill obviously is important to Milo. So that's why I asked you that. And that's why I changed the thing that John Paul was addicted to. Let's play out what happened. Yeah. So what you heard on in the episode was exactly what happened. And then when Brandon's music started intensifying mm-hmm. after we all woke up in our beds and it was May 2nd, we ended that session. And Eric was like, great, I'm going to talk to man about what happens. Brandon and Julie, what was running through your mind? What were you thinking when that session break happened? Because I know what we did, but I don't know what you did. I don't. No, I was just concerned for you as a person. I wasn't sure if you were going to like have to re-roll your character entirely or if you were going to like, I don't know. I thought like Aggie was going to be a completely different person, which we can talk about whether or not that is true or not. I still think like Mm -hmm. Aggie is still Aggie, but under different circumstances. But I was worried that Aggie was going to be just like... I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah. In contrast, I was just sheer panic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, I had no idea what was going to happen. Like, I knew it was going to be something 
big. Otherwise, Eric would have done it in the moment. So I didn't know if that meant like, yeah, change a full change of character. I didn't know, Amanda, if you would be okay with that kind of thing. Yeah. You know what my biggest concern was? I was concerned Aggie wasn't going to be powered anymore. Oh, mm. yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Mm. That's actually a really good segue, Julia, because that's that is exactly what happened. So we turned off the recording. Normally we like, you know, take a break, go to the bathroom, get some water, you know, turn off the computer. And instead, Eric and I sat in the studio for like 15 minutes saying and, and as I recall, you said something big has to change about Aggie. What do you think? It wasn't even that it was necessarily big. It was like something essential needs to change yeah. about Aggie. And it and it was about the cascading effect of what that means and how it changes your character. Going from there, it can't be something superficial like a name. I know what's in the name, but, you know, that changes on a, on a small scale. So I was like, okay, what about Aggie is different? And how would that precipitate and change and so many things going forward? And I think that the first thing that you said was about how Aggie looks at helping others. Yeah. My my first thought was, what if Aggie was straight? And then I was like, no, that's I don't want that. Secondly, <laughs> what if Aggie was last in the birth order, which I think also would have been interesting. Ooh, that would have been fun, yeah. I think mess with the timeline a bit as well. But then the thing that I think we settled on together, Eric, was like, if she had a different power, I think things would shake out very differently. Um, mm. Where like the power that she has being a monk healing people and just having like monk physical abilities plus and healing means that, you know, she's very responsible for everybody around her. But if her power was something more conspicuous, like, say, limbs stretching very far, <laughs> which is a thing that you can't hide if it's in use. It's a thing that you can't really use on the sly very much. You can sort of, like, dive for the vase that's falling off the mantelpiece, like, one time with your arm stretching slightly before someone notices. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, that wouldn't mean that... Aggie could be as kind of integrated in daily life in her community as she is. And so my thinking was, you know, growing up with a power like that, you 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 have to use it in different ways. You, you know, can't just sort of heal people and they don't really notice. What would change about her profession, about the way she relates to her family, and ultimately about her life now? So that was sort of the essential thing that changed where still Aggie, you know, and we'll talk all about kind of how those things play out. But mm -hmm. um, that was kind of the the kernel that we settled on. Yeah, it was a lot of me pulling it together as many subclasses as possible. And I'm like, hey, do you want to shoot sun bolts? Do you want to work lurk in the shadows? Do you want to be like roguish again and trying to figure out all that stuff? And then I think at one point I was like, oh, man, what if you were stretchy? <laughs> like, what if? Would that be fun for you to be stretchy? And then we pulled out no capes again. Yeah, I, I really did. And like emotionally, I have to say that my I certainly felt trepidation when I failed that check. And I think Julia, as you said, was like the, the ter most terrible thing in the world is when your GM is like, I'll get back to you. And you're like, no, don't come back to me. Um, but ultimately, I was really excited. I didn't come into the session like thinking that I would change anything about Aggie. I love her. And I am I was very, I don't know, I, I, I feel sort of confident of my mechanics and what Aggie was doing and getting into, you know, exciting things as we continue to level up. But then I was like, you know, fuck yeah, dude, like, let me let me throw into a whole new kind of set of powers. And also, I feel like I know her well enough by now that doing that sort of comic book alternate timeline thing of seeing how mostly the same person with kind of one fundamental thing different would play out is exciting to me because I'm like, I, I, I know who she is and I know what, you know, is important to her and what it's just like this different flavor of Aggie. That's kind of how I view it. That is interesting also because that affects the team composition because now 
Milo is the healer. Yeah. <laughs> which mm. means with your ghost heals. Yeah, which means like I think fundamentally how Milo has been already always been approaching the team is different. So Yeah. Oh yeah. You've been doing a ton of magic damage now, and I feel like you gotta hold at least some some heals back. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this before, but I think it, the composition of the team makes a little more sense from a superhero perspective as opposed to a D&D perspective, which the fantasy idea that there is a cleric walking around who's going to be able to, with your god powers, make your wounds go away. But like, I think in superhero-dumb, the fact that there is ghost powers <laughs> and that it has to go through the ghost world or through a druid lens makes so much more sense because there isn't like a there's not a cleric walking around mm -hmm. necessarily and if there the idea that like a there's like a go like a ghostly healer or a time healer is feels like very much more x-men to me or like a science healer feels so much more x-men to me but do you want to get healed by the heels of death <laughs> no not <laughs> particularly not particularly, but, like, you gotta. I mean, that's so much different than our world. Like, it's so hard to heal. Human bodies are incredible, but they still take a very long time to heal. And the fact that you can reverse any of that, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Don't, I guess it's going to be really cold and the, the icy hand of death is going to caress <laughs> my face as it happens. But to return to the process, Eric and I talked about that, sort of changing the power that same day. And then over the next couple of days, just thought more about narrowing down um, different, like, class options or subclass options before settling on the way of the stretch from no capes, which I'm very, very stoked about. And the Incredibles is a, a constant inspiration to me as a person. <laughs> but no, then we sat down to play the next game. And I think it was like two weeks. It was between, two weeks, yeah. Yeah. So then again, in the episode, when you hear that music start intensifying and then Eric describes what Aggie does that morning, that was the beginning of episode 33. And so we sat down, we played it out. Brandon and Julia were fantastic. Uh, <laughs> active listeners giving the reactions <laughs> that you heard and I felt gleeful being able to surprise people and feel that you know that little GM glow that you get when you make your players completely gobsmacked but yeah I mean, I'll turn it over here Julian Brennan you know what were your I don't know thoughts reactions what are you looking forward to doing next you're gonna hear it in the next episode but we had a lot of questions after you made that reveal. So I know the audience is probably going to have similar questions to what Brandon and I asked. And I imagine that it's also going to be in the next episode. So I'm excited for that and for people to get a little bit more of a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. Julia, we have a phrase for this. It's called who can say. Who you, can say. Now you, you can say who can say. I, I can say who can say because I asked those questions and uh, then Amanda said. <laughs> Amanda, I'm actually really curious. Did you consider a separate class when you were thinking about what to do with Aggie or were you pretty set on staying a monk? I like monks a lot, but I was definitely open to the idea. I hadn't thought about, you know, even taking another level in something in leveling up so far. So it hasn't really been on my mind like, God, I wish Aggie was this or that. But really for me, kind of making that decision from a story perspective was the most interesting. And so the idea of having like a different, like a, a more conspicuous power, but otherwise being a very similar person um, was what I wanted to kind of search for. And we will talk about it as well. But having just played a game of Slam, um, I was just reading through No Capes and I just, I love those subclasses so, so much. And I love that we all get to play them in slam so i was like what if what if i could do this every day <laughs> um and so that's when the uh the way the stretch felt felt very good to me 
Also, I got to tell you, I really pictured Aggie doing a sort of like human slingshot maneuver with Val. And that is kind of what um, what sold it for me. I love that. Thank you for that. Yep. I do have a single question and and it is, why do you hate sushi? And why did you decide? How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is a good point. And thinking about kind of how to talk about these changes, what to reveal, because we don't want to just say to you, the audience, like Aggie is dead, that there is another superhero here like that. That sucks. So I I wanted to kind of give enough detail that, you know, Eric and I are like leaving you with like fascinating morsels and like stuff to think about and get excited about versus, you know, being very worried. So uh, we kind of went back and forth about, we had like a T-chart of like what what to We what literally to say. had a T-chart of things to say in this episode and things to say in the next episode. Yeah. Such big so, nerds that I love it. Such nerds. <laughs> <laughs> we used the whiteboard. It was very fun. So yes, that was just one of the one of the changes where uh, again, and you'll see a little bit more about Aggie's new life. But uh, being a, a cat owner doesn't really suit her job. So that's why uh, Pizza the dog is a much better fit. Pizza the dog. Pizza the dog. I love Pizza the dog. And to answer, I think somebody in Discord was like, "Is it just sushi spirit in a dog?" I think that's totally true. <laughs> I'm excited for tuna and pizza to have hijinks. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> Tuna and pizza having a blast. Yeah, I'm just going to do a solo, like, two hours of me (laughs) role-playing the adventures of of tuna and pizza. It'll be like Homeward Bound. A hundred percent. Adorable. I think that the fun part about tabletop RPGs is that as a GM, you say, I have a prompt for you, and you let the player do it. So the only thing that I did was, you should change a fundamental thing of Aggie. And then let's figure out what that is. And we came to understand that as changing the subclass. But I didn't make those decisions. I didn't put that on Amanda. I didn't tell Amanda that you had to change your class, that that was mandatory. It was just like, this is what the seas of time do. Like, the this, what are the, the water, the terrible water in Hades? Yeah. In the Uranus, remember in Hercules, where Hercules goes in the water and all the souls around there? It's kind of like that. That's what I was imagining the seas of time. Like, this is what happened. Tell me how Aggie changes, which is exactly functionally how I would have a- I asked all of you questions. Sorry that Val was inside of a shark the whole time to get yeah. a play. I also had advantage on strength checks, so I probably wouldn't have failed. <laughs> it was probably because you were inside of a shark, though. That's I don't it. think it was the other thing. <laughs> I took acid damage instead. That was just as painful. Six yeah, exactly. Five. So uh, it was the same thing. It was like setting up a prompt and then uh, Amanda filled him in. Yeah, it's something I really love about this campaign and the way we've all approached it together from the world building episodes is, you know, let's see that the world needs something or there's a prompt or there's something that we need to fill in and you know what what do we think should happen and i yeah i definitely would have been pissed if you were like well um now aggie is a druid and i'm just like what yeah aggie's a ranger now fuck you (laughs) (laughs) but instead you know i i got to participate in changing the story in a way that's like exciting and meaningful instead of just like a bomb that was dropped you know like on my character sheet and yeah, I, it felt very similar to me as me saying to you, hey, I think my brother is like a very famous painter and like there's something about, you know, like emotions or like truth that he puts into his paintings run with that uh, and yeah. getting to be both surprised, but also having had, you know, a little kernel of inspiration in like stuff that happens in, in the game and in the podcast. Absolutely. It's a it's a two way street. Then you give prompts to your players and your players say, what if this happens? And then you have to backfill the the game mechanics. Mm. Coincidentally, the sea of uh, ghost hands in Hades is what is inside of Milo. That's just all <laughs> what it looks like up in there. 
I mean, we've literally said that that's true from when Salamone got grabbed by all those hands. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is still one of my favorite moments in the whole podcast, being like, Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph! <laughs> well done. You really channeled a, an Irish grandfather there. A, Irish grandfather and Italian street tough. Very similar. Two <laughs> sides of the same coin. Paul Spelunker in Discord asks for Brandon and Julia, if you were to hypothetically be in the situation that I was in, what aspects of your character would you change? Are there like classes or subclasses that appeal to you for alternate Val or Milo? I have been thinking about this all day. Excellent. (laughs) So I'm of two minds when it comes to Val in the what fundamentally would I change about Val to like if they had fallen into the the waters of time one i think is like the easy solution which is val does not have the fundamental opposition that they have to joining the mob Mm. and so i think in that one i would change to a path of the zealot barbarian something like that because i think this idea of like someone motivated into rage by purpose would be more up Val's alley. So that that's the one option that I have in my head. The other one is just to go like fully different Val where Val gets like really into the music, punk, rock, metal scene in Little oh, Italy. Yeah, dude. And uh, if Eric would allow me to play a bard, maybe <laughs> I would go that way, who knows? Or maybe I'd go somewhere like um, like heavy metal guitar, but channeling something like Storm Herald Barbarian through that. I, I really like that because I wonder for then if we're focusing back on Aunt Min asking Val to join the mob, then like then it's like we are retconning that choice or we're splitting it in two, and now it's like, well, if I wonder if Val had joined the mob if their powers would have changed because yeah. of who they were. That's so funny because what we did with Aggie is like we talked about something that happened when they were when Aggie was a child, but now we're going to talk about something that we've literally seen from Val, and we would have had to do a lot of parallel universe time splitting and redoing a few, probably redoing a few scenes like previously on on join the party and like redoing a bunch of some of the interactions that's happened. Yeah, I I see it as either a split timeline in that sense where Ant-Min asks and Val says yes, but I could also see it as a like Val was raised by their father instead sure. and yeah. so has always been kind of in the the mob stuff rather oh, than man. making that decision later in life. That's all that's wild cuz then maybe we that like that whole then Maybe Min would have tried to, like, tempt you into her own thing. Yeah. Yeah, then it would have been... Or your mom would have tried to pull you out, maybe, or towards something else. Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been wild. That's, like, (laughs) such a wild thought experiment. Brandon, how about you? How about Milo? It's a good question. I haven't really thought about this much. Um, But I think just looking back at the no capes, I think it might have been fun to do, like, um, a couple different things. One, I think just it'd be funny to put Milo in the mission control subclass just because he would be hilarious as a hacker. <laughs> Big nerd. <laughs> yeah. Big vibe. But I think what would be most interesting for the character is to like probably take Julia's actual class, the pro hero fighter, and like make Milo actually a like a Nathan Fillion type person, like an actually famous sci-fi actor or something Ooh. yeah Ooh. Um, and do something in that vein but i don't know 
Yeah, I'm wondering. I feel like that would have been a full ass submerge, being like, "Let's we're re-rolling Milo." <laughs> like Milo doesn't exist. This is mm-hmm. a totally different person. Yeah. yeah, that would have been wild. It's entirely possible though, because you needed to do strength checks. So mm-hmm. the fact that 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 didn't happen was really interesting. Also, the fact that you guys killed the time shark first and angered the <laughs> essence of time also made that last check much harder. So I think that was. That was also something dictated by play, which I found I found really I found really interesting. Time shark, time shark, don't kill this person's pet. <laughs> well, Ev on Instagram, and I think also Brandon asked, what would have happened if we fell in the whirlpool? Like, what was the deal, and what were the consequences? Hey, great question, man. We roll new characters. We're all dead now. <laughs> great fucking question. I honestly was not sure if this would happen. I definitely wanted to make it inevitable. Oh man, it would have, I would have had to take a second. I knew that something needed to happen, but that was like a, oh no. Like, (laughs) man, if the time, that would have been if the time shark had swallowed you and then swam away, or if you had fully fallen off the boat and would not have been able to be grabbed. I think either you would have been gone, you would have been totally dead, you would have to just re-roll a whole character, maybe we would have brought them back later. Erased from the timeline would have been uh, Yeah, maybe just totally mm-hmm. erased from the timeline. I had a lot of ideas, but I that was like... That was like on the edge of the bell curve of that happening. And uh, we would have had to see what would happen if it, if it happened. Well, tell us a little more about how you uh, sort of conceptualized this whole setting. Where did the time, ocean, the shark, and the whirlpool come from? Yeah, so I think that I wasn't sure how you were going to resolve the time loop thing. So there are two choices, right? Either stop hitting the button on the N64 and let it ride, or you get stuck in the time loop and then you got to find your way out. And then I always had G-Day, Dez's dad, open as a time person who was going to be able to help time you. consultant time consultant yeah luckily here was the other thing in that fight with the emperor on the train i had a 1d10 chance i rolled on 1d10 and i think i had like a 20 percent chance of you guys running into g-day that was like a tease that you only got through chance as well that g-day was fucking around in in that area to Val. So Val knew that there was a time person knocking around and then you put that together. It was Dez's dad. That's how it all kind of fit together. It was always there, but I definitely wanted you to have to... I didn't... I don't love the Groundhog's Day way of getting out of time, which is make Andy McDowell fall in love with you. Like, I need to be a better person. It's find true purpose in your life, but yeah. (laughs) It's, It's make Andy McDowell fall in love with you. And I kind of like something closer to what happened in Palm Springs. Spoiler for Palm Springs, go forward 15 sec, go forward 15 seconds. But it's like there's a scientific solution or there's actual tangible way to get out of time loop. Okay, you can come back now. So I wanted there to be some actual way through science because, you know, science is the way that we process a lot of things on this campaign for us to uh, figure it out. And then I had, when I knew you were going to go see G-Day, I was like, and you you all had been talking about the cartridge in the N64, too, that I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. And I thought that he had to, like, go find a CRTV, an old-ass TV, plug the N64 in, and make it all happen. And when I was preparing for that episode, I was like, all right, I wonder how they're getting out. I love ships. I think ships are really fucking interesting and how unforgiving 
the sea is and how you're like on wood floating in the water. So <laughs> we, we do own five copies of Moby Dick in case anyone's wondering. So I, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting. Also, I've been watching a lot of One Piece lately, and I thought that that would work out really well as well. The precariousness of the sea. And also someone had noted the, the wine dark sea. I was was also thinking about the classical capital C classical ideas of of ship voyaging and how dangerous it is, how there's spooky shit happening in there. The thing that I was most proud of, and I was thinking about this, was that I really undersold the waves. Yeah, you super did. When I was listening back to it, I was like, wow, I really just like, oh, there's water. Don't fall off. And <laughs> you all saved the first time. So I was really happy. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then the first time when Aggie got splashed, I'm like, hey, Aggie, change the name of a sibling. And I wanted you to be, it's like, do you lash yourself to the fucking mast so you don't change your life? And none of you did. So that was kind of why John Paul, Milo, Aggie, 2X was vulnerable. And I thought that was really interesting. So hang on. If I hadn't broken the N64, how were you going to end the arc? So the other thing, as I had said on a previous after party, was you could have stolen the N64 from John Paul and never gave it back and like locked it up or tried to take it away. That was one possibility I had in my head. The other one was you would let John Paul play it out and then fuck him up, which is why I planned the car show the encounter. The fuck with the, with the Hummer where you could have done that. So I was very open to however you wanted to do this. You could have let it go over to May 2nd and then make sure the N64 had never been touched ever again. We also didn't touch on whether the N64 would have been able to deal with that much time passed. N64, as we now figured out, this is Gutenberg's fucking fetishization of 90s and 80s technology. It's still an N64. This is a very old piece of technology. So we never even touched whether or not the N64 was a good piece of time tech. And the fact that you were able to split it in half, it's a it's very resilient, but you you fucking spiked it across of a Circuit City parking lot. It's going to break. Like it's definitely it's not like a tesseract. This isn't a a, a magical item. It's something that someone hacked together. So there was a lot of, uh, all of it was up in the air. And the best part about doing this podcast is that I get to go session to session and figure it out depending on, uh, depending on play. Was Time Crisis actually playable on the N64? Probably not. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's find out. I just had a joke. I just had a joke. I, I, I want to say probably not, but I didn't check it. Time Crisis 2. I love Time Crisis 2, but I've only played it on arcades. Arcade Same. and PlayStation. PlayStation. Yeah. PlayStation 1, 2, and 3. And also iOS. You can play it on your phone. It's not, I don't like the idea of inserting like a firewire into your phone, which gives you the light gun and you're shooting at your phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, why don't you guys download that app and uh, take a look and see what it's like while I go grab some snacks in the kitchen. Ooh. Thanks. Cheese its Be right back. Hey, it's Amanda. I find it very soothing to do like meal prep and cooking big batches of things in advance so that in future me, you know, even when she does not feel like cooking, has something to eat. And I recently had the wonderful experience of looking in the fridge and thinking that I had finished all of the delicious beef stew that I made and realizing that there was one more pint of stew hiding in the back of the fridge. So welcome to the mid-roll. You made more cups than you thought you did. 
Firstly, welcome to everyone who joined our Patreon in the last week. Noah, Ella, Al, and Kayla, thank you so very much for setting aside some of your hard-earned human dollars to supporting creators that you like. We really, really appreciate everybody who does that. We couldn't keep making the show without your support, so thank you. And if you want to be part of our Patreon family, we are always looking for more people to come in. You get our Discord, you get NPC stories, all the stuff that's been there for four plus years of Patreon. So if you can, please join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash join the party pod. Trust me, being in the Discord on episode release day is an experience that everybody deserves. We are sponsored this week by Inked Gaming. Inked is a company built by and for gamers and has been at the top of their game in supplying customers with world-class products since they first launched back in 2011. From playmats to dice bags and sleeves and dice, they're your one-stop shop for quality gaming gear. They believe every gamer is an individual and it's their mission to help customize your gear the way you play, easy and affordably. All artists and creators featured on Ink Gaming receive a commission from products sold with their work, which is awesome. And as part of their sponsorship of this episode, Team Inked has given us a special 10% off discount that we are passing along to you. Head over to their site at inkedgaming.com slash join the party, pick out whatever items you want, and when you're ready to check out, use the code join the party to receive 10% off your order. That's inkedgaming.com slash join the party, code join the party. We're also sponsored by Control-Alt-Destroy, a new fiction show from the audio entertainment company Realm. This weekly show stars Firefly's Summer Glau as a video game designer who discovers that the game she created has been stolen as part of a top-secret project, and it might be the only thing keeping the world from plunging into war. While battling monsters and exploring dungeons in the worlds of Alternus, nations compete for real-world resources, and losing has catastrophic consequences. Desperate for help, Team USA hopes that bringing in the game's actual designer in secret will give them the upper hand that they need. But in a futuristic world where losing has catastrophic consequences, is the game itself playing fair? Hear what happens in Control-Alt-Destroy, available wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, we are sponsored by BetterHelp, a secure online counseling service. They connect you with licensed counselors through their secure app, letting you message with your therapist and schedule live phone or video sessions. You can also message your counselor in between if you're worrying about something. You can fill out a worksheet right there in the app or fill out a journal entry and either keep it private or share it with your therapist if it would be useful to you. And because BetterHelp wants you to find a really good therapeutic match, which sometimes takes a few tries, it's easy and free to switch counselors if you need to. They're also more affordable than traditional offline counseling and have financial aid available. Once more, we are sponsored by BetterHelp and Join the Party listeners get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash join the party. That is betterhelp.com slash join the party for 10% off your first month. And now back to the after party. Okay, I'm back. Uh, Cheez-Its are not gluten-free, but these ones I found in a dream are. Oh, great. <laughs> oh. It's, a, it's a reference to spirits. Wow. Uh, this time crisis is actually free to play and I can only play the first minute of the first level. So we're actually not going to fuck with it. Boo. Damn. <laughs> well, a lot of other stuff happened uh, in the Join the Party extended universe over the last few weeks. So guys, let's touch a little bit on Join the Loop 5 on episode 31, those family conversations, and then we can close out with Slam. Yeah. I want to have a conversation with all you three as both people and characters about using the time loop to have hard conversations with your family and making them not stick. <laughs> because that was that was uh, fucking Val with their father, Milo with with his dad, and then Aggie, the entire family. My, my mouth text. 
You're right. Your mouth. I don't see any issues with this, Eric. I don't know what you're getting at. <laughs> I just want to know. I listen. I know I'm being a little silly, and I'm pointing out something that might be a, a touch obvious. But like, the, a big part of the theme of this campaign was people in their late twenties, early thirties struggling against things that their parents and older society was not ready to help them with. And I think this is definitely something going forward. And I think it's very interesting that we get to use the time loop genre to uh, engage with some of that stuff. So I'd love to know about like the choices and if you felt good about what they ended up with Julia, uh, Julia Val talking to their dad and their, their dad and their mom. I forgot about that. And then uh, all the other stuff I said. Yeah. I think for Val, the conversation with their dad was more in their mind supposed to be like getting information and trying to figure out what was up. Sure. The conversation that they had with their mom, I think, was a lot more personal. And I, if Val had to do it again, I think they would make that conversation stick. But the one with their dad, I think, hurt too much to relive and also didn't give them as much information as they were hoping. So they kind of just zoomed right past that. Sure. Sorry that I did that to you. No, it's okay. I wanted it. <laughs> and by sorry, I mean, I'm not that yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm only a little sorry about it. Mm -hmm. Brandon, how about your ruse and ensuing honest conversation? Oh, my God. And the fact that you rolled below a DC5. <laughs> Holy shit. So Incredible. A true Brandon roll. It makes sense, though. I don't think Miles' dad would be this gullible. <laughs> he isn't, but at least, but I feel like the DC was lowered so much because you're like, yeah, my son has ghost powers. I got to meet him where he's at. No, I think Milo is just like, I don't think he had any like, you know, grand conspiratorial plans or anything to like have information that his dad didn't know he had. He's just like, he's just a young guy who like doesn't know quite how to talk about these very high level things. Like when you are best friends with a scientist who created a new element and like is your boss of your superhero team, how do you handle that? And you handle it by not handling it because it's too difficult to handle, <laughs> you know? Does mm. Dr. Morrow know that Dr. Morrow is Milo's best friend? Yes. <laughs> they, have, sure? um, they have breast, best friend bracelets. Is it a rubber I want, band I feel that like you forgot to, roll to take on off? That. <laughs> I feel like I need to roll on that about whether or not that's true. I'm going to roll a d20 for you, Eric. Hold on. All right. Google said it's a nine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dr. Morrow has other best friends. Wow. Aww, okay. January exists. And so That's does true. Jez. Yeah. But yeah. So I think Milo just took an opportunity that he saw in front of him because he doesn't necessarily like to think, you know, multiple steps ahead with his family as opposed to like, you know, his everyday life where he does try to think ahead. But yeah. I don't think he was thinking too much about it, you know? Well, it was very interesting gameplay, which I appreciated. Well, thank you. And then, Amanda, how did you feel about Aggie's mouth text and the fact that that didn't... You, <laughs> I don't want to use that, that phrase stay. anymore. Yeah, no, we it, it's it's been used thrice and it is laid now to rest. Um, <laughs> I think that... I thought that that loop would stick and I hoped that it would. But my main motivation was really like, I think sort of unlike what Val was doing, Aggie just needed to kind of summon up the courage to do it in the first place. And then doing it again will be easier versus mm -hmm. probably for Val, it would be more difficult to, to do that again. So 
it was partly to try to sort of persuade John Paul to try a direct communication approach to solving his problems. <laughs> it worked so well. As a way of ending the loop. That did not work particularly well. But yeah, I, I think that just getting the words out for the first time is is the hardest part for, for Aggie in this instance. So doing it again going forward would not have been a problem. But now, probably, she won't have to because Aggie's relationship to her family is a little different. True. Mm-hmm. Avoided by changing your timeline. Ha ha! <laughs> you too can avoid hard family conversations by changing your timeline. <laughs> Listen, we wouldn't have known that John Paul needed this type of guidance because letting him walk out and do what he wanted on his own time, I guess, was not the the choice that they ended up doing. Was not the smartest choice. That happened in, in this epi- in this episode. Oh, Brandon, I was so mad at you in that moment. <laughs> yeah. It was it was tough. I, okay, genuinely, I don't quite understand. Like, obviously, I understand in terms of gameplay, but like, he's an adult. What do you? What What was Miles supposed to do? Like, detain him? No, tell us that he was leaving, and then yes, we would have detained him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I don't think Milo would have gone along with that. This is a person who is causing criminal mischief, and perhaps more than that, is fucking with the timeline, is is literally, like, messing with nature and the flow of time itself. So, like, letting him just go do a thing seems wild to me. Just letting him, like, go off and be like, oh, yeah, I promise I won't do anything, even though multiple loops he has been trying to... This is a guy who planted a bomb. In he a did bridge. Plant he did he plant almost bomb. killed a <laughs> lot of people. It really, it took a lot of effort to get him to stay with us, you know, and like to, to come willingly with us into a meeting to try to like, f- you know, face this thing together. So that to me, it felt like a kind of one time only scenario, which is why Aggie was like, huh? Because we, yeah. we managed to accomplish it, you know? I mean, I understand like the, the, the desire for the other two characters to want to like at least have an opportunity to persuade him to stay. But like, yeah, I don't think... I mean, like all three of our characters have sort of like a a race from their brain space. The fact that Dr. Morrow does something with the bad guys, you know, (laughs) so I don't know. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if a a a prison scenario would have been uh, been the move. Sure. I don't think I wanted to imprison him so much as I wanted to keep an eye on him and not just let him wander around unsupervised. Yeah, or like have a conversation before he left. I, I think that was really it. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Everyone also, you've all made John Paul your, to say unsupervised, you all made yourselves John Paul's supervisors. Yeah. <laughs> like he he had to be watched for those, for those uh, particular episodes because you had no idea what he was going to do. The thing is that he did do what he said he was going to do. He just wanted to go home and, and pretend that he was the anti-hero that he was. So like... You know, you're both, you you are both right. He did plant yeah. a bomb and he did try to uh, manipulate protests for his own personal gain. But he also is also just loves fucking uh, Funko Pops and Beanie, and now Beanie Babies. Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't think Milo actually thought of himself as a supervisor as a, like, as opposed to the other two, you know, like I think Milo is very much because... He's basically the same age and and construction as Milo's other friends, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think if... Makes sense. John Paul is pretty fucking close to a dirtbag Lucas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think Milo was just like... I do think Milo handled it well. I think he tried to talk him through it and was like, hey, here's here's the situation. Can you please not do this? And I think also Milo knew that like, 
one, he has his own free will, and also that uh, he wasn't going to do anything that we hadn't, one, already encountered before, or two, like, he he's very simple. He has very simple motivations, you know? <laughs> yeah, my only issue was, even if he did do things that we had encountered before, I rolled really well in disarming and destroying <laughs> that bomb and handling mm, the bridge situation. True. I might it's not have done that a true. second time. I want to emphasize how well Julia rolled. I rolled really <laughs> well. I'm dismantling and saving the bomb. I don't know if you would have let me fast forward through that again, just because I had done it once. Well, we also didn't touch it. By that point, the N64 was broken. And I can just say this now, everything would have reset at midnight. Everything would have kept resetting at midnight. Right. So we didn't end up touching that and you all didn't have that information. But I, I knew that and I was like, I wonder what's going to happen here. <laughs> I wonder if you're going to end up running around trying to get kind of John Paul back. Because I also remember I thought once John Paul was gone, I didn't think you were going to go try to find him. I thought he was just going to be out roaming around and you were all going to prep and then see, see what happened. But the fact that you got him back meant that he went with you into the TV. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was also something I was unprepared for, and we figured out during play. We have some fun game and character questions, and then we'll get into Slam. So Aaron says on Insta, not really a question, but I'm pretending that I'm Aggie's new sister. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Welcome to the family. Um, <laughs> Sappo and Stars asks, have Aggie's parents and Val's parents met? Julia, I, I think they must have crossed paths at certain points. I don't think they're family friends or anything, but certainly they're, you know, of an age. Definitely have met Rosa. I think all of our parents have probably run into each other at some point, right? I don't necessarily think people have met or know Marco. Sure. But yeah. definitely Val's mom is around and sells her ceramics and pottery at like farmers markets and stuff. Oh, yeah. In Lakedon. Totally. Hakuna on Discord asks, was Level Up too upset about the breakup to notice that Johnny worries a rabbit? He didn't react at all. <laughs> Par for the course. Uh yeah, he was just like, oh, man. Level up, I think, by this point. He was like, oh, man, this might as well happen. Yeah, whatever. Hapaheoli <laughs> uh, asks, what skill would you try to perfect if you were in a time loop? Oh, man, that's a that's a great question. Mine would be like a series of crafts, like knitting, then crochet, then needlepoint, then like regular sewing. Mm. Oh, such a good question. I think Eric, you would definitely like become very niche speedrunner in various <laughs> video games. Yeah, that would be fun. I feel like I would get really, I'm a, I would get really good at the stuff that I'm already doing because I feel like I'm just running out of time, <laughs> doing as, as money shit as I want to. So like working on like specific like creative skills. This is the thing that always makes me want to get like an MFA. Is like, oh yeah, I could get like an MFA at like game design and get really good at that and like sharpen my tools. But like, yeah, then I'll be like 36 and yeah. in debt. Yeah. So I can't do that. So like working on that and just getting like a block of time to figure that shit out would be great. I think both Julia and Brandon, I could see you both like cooking through an entire cookbook, Julia and Julia style. Yeah. But I, I just do, do that. that in my normal life. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I think I'd want to learn like an instrument. Like I've always wanted to learn bass. That'd be fun. Yeah, that's true. What I love about all of these things is that when we come out of the time loop, we're going to be like, when did you learn how to play bass? It's like, oh, I've always knew how to play bass. I think I would, Jesus, I'm the most greedy out of all this stuff, I guess. I would really learn how to like 
fin- like financial shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I would learn how to I, I know it's like pretty much impossible to beat like, you know, um index funds kind of thing, but like I would learn how to make money passively. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> at least for I mean, the thing that John Paul did, this was at the peak of GameStop AMC bullshit that's happening on the internet. So I was thinking about that a lot. I was like, man, it's just gambling, and if you know what's going to happen, you just put all your money on black, but you already know it's going to be black, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, sports betting or stock market stuff at the same time of, like, improving myself. It's like, I want to make sure that shit's entered before I leave the time loop. So I 100% agree with Brandon. But you got to be careful, because if you just do one giant bet on a thing, you're going to look suspicious as fuck, and you're going to get They really don't care. Also, it's one day, so you don't know how it'll kind of play out over the next few weeks or so, you know? Well, if it's a bet, I think it's going to be like one inter- interaction, right? Is like, I'm going to put a bunch of money on, uh, a bunch of money on that. Or like a bunch of small ones all at the same time. I mean, luck, people still believe luck. And I think that uh, the stock market is less regulated than we think. It is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and finally, Bray asks, I know that we have talked about Stewart's Flavors. But we've also mentioned Ben and Jerry's. And I must ask, what is each character's favorite Ben and Jerry's flavor? Oh, this yeah. is an Aggie and Amanda R. Circle situation. Mint chocolate cookie. Good choice. I need to pull up the list of Ben and Jerry's because I know what my personal one is, which is Chubby Hubby. Delicious. But I don't know what Val's would be. I don't think Milo has any ill will towards any flavor of ice cream on the God's Green Earth. <laughs> Fair. Fair. But I did recently have one of the, it's brand new. I think it's like the topped flavors and it has yeah. like a fucking like magic shell chocolate thing on the top that you like oh, yeah. put your spoon into and it's so fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to give a special shout out to the Froyo ones from Ben and Jerry's. Fish food I'm, Froyo is so good. I'm not talking about like the Moo-tastic or whatever the fuck, the Ben and Jerry's trying to get on the, oh, Halo the top. Halo top. Steez. I'm not talking about that. But like, I've been getting the Froyo half baked. They sell it at our bodega. I want to give a special shout out to that. It's really, really good. And like, sometimes I don't want to eat ice cream. I like yogurt. I think frozen yogurt's great. And uh, I'm, I'm all about that shit. I think Val would be like a gimme s'more or the campfire trail mix. That's Ooh. usually Val. Love that. Well, sticking with our upstate New York theme, it is time, of course, to turn to Slam, uh, our third uh, Slam episode, installment 24, 27 of the Slam comic. Number 27 in there Slam comics, third Slam episode. So, guys, how do we feel about this? Every time we do it, I'm just amazed, uh, Julia, by how good your role playing is as, as Moxie. <laughs> and uh, Brandon, I think you make very, very good, like, what feels like a diversion, but is a world building opportunity interactions with NPCs uh, that we meet. <laughs> oh, my, the fact that like, I, it's such like a comic book trope and I'm doing this to myself because it's it's a it's an offshoot. But like giving you time powers is so goddamn dangerous to me as a DM. <laughs> yeah, specifically me. That was a silly choice that you made. Well, I also appreciate this because uh, now I want to fix some of the game mechanics <laughs> of, of, your, of your character. And, you know, listen, you got to play test your shit. So that's true. That's true. It's important. Uh, I can't believe that Brennan played with us. That's <laughs> it was so much. It was just so much fun. I have not re-listened to the episode because I'm so <laughs> nervous to hear my interactions with Brennan Lee Mulligan. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, did it, I embarrass myself? It I was hope great. Not. No. no, it was great. Don't worry. It was so funny how much everyone was like, like at this point, we're all very relaxed together when we play, you know, but like everyone was very much like at the top of their game, like on the edge of their seat waiting. <laughs> but I was impressed. Like, I didn't think about this in the moment because it just it just worked and flowed. But like, I didn't realize how just incredibly fluidly he uh, slotted into this game that he had no mm. idea what yeah. was happening. Like, it was a one-shot. Like, uh, yeah, it was just incredibly impressive listening back to it. It felt like he was always in that world um, and that we knew that character very well. But, Eric, what was your preparation like with him? Yeah, so working with someone who's played tabletop RPG games for his entire life uh, makes it pretty simple and and special and fun. So I had a conversation with Brennan before. I also want to say, and I feel like if Brennan is listening to this, he'd be like, oh, gosh, no, you, you all were great. I still had a great time. Brennan is such a wonderful ambassador for the game, and I know that he goes out of his way to guest on a lot of stuff. And I feel like he's just like, this is how the game should be played. And just I'm here to facilitate that. And I really appreciate him taking the time to do this. And like, I wanted to give him time to be a player. But it turns out he's been a player this entire time. (laughs) Shout out to the new Dimension 20. I'm so fucking excited for that. It's going to be great. So I had a conversation with him just being like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to have this vacation style episode. It's in upstate New York. Brennan is also from upstate New York, so I knew he would be 100% on there. When I said that, I put out a call for who wanted to do an upstate New York game, and he busted down my door. I was only a little bit kidding. Um <laughs> I want to do this. And I was like, yeah, this is what it is. And he's like, okay, well, I'm going to pitch a couple characters to you so that you know where I'm coming from. I'm like, yeah, that would be great. I want you to live in the town if you're like a hometown superhero. And like he brought a lot of the things that he believes, obviously, his like, you know, the living outside and you become so liberal, you come all the way back around thing like that, was so, that he brought a lot of his own experience. He said it was like being a guest on a D&D podcast is like being a DMPC that the DM does not control. And I thought that was really kind of him to do. And he was he was 100 percent game. And I've been trying really hard. I, that was like in my slew of running a lot of one shots to like ref- you need to get a one shot in and out. You're like, we're going to do this. We're going to have some fun. It gets resolved and we pull back. And I wanted to make sure to uh, recognize everyone's time because we had to set everything up as as we did. And as I put words in Brennan's mouth, it was like I wanted to make sure to take uh, to take really careful play with that. I want to know what other characters he pitched to you besides Stan Mills. There was like a water based guy. Like if it was this, it was, was more revolving around the falls of Chunky Falls. He was going to be more water based. But um, I think that we ended up uh, pulling away from that. Just being like a woodland kind of dude. Cool. 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 Brandon, did you have to cut a lot of us laughing as Brennan talked? Because that's what I recall from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Uh... As Brennan does this professionally, he was also very good at uh, waiting his turn to talk and and not interrupting and stuff. And how did it feel for you to DM Eric and for us to play? I was definitely I was a little bit nervous just because it's you know a person I watch on on my OTT television device like right. running D and D games. Um, but as soon as we were in the story, I don't know everything just gelled really well, which I think is a testament to you know you designing the game well and Brennan knowing where to fit and kind of how to, you know, interact without like taking over and this being our third slam as well. This wasn't like our first, you know, rodeo of these characters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been trying to figure out a way to get more guests on to join the party and I'm just so happy we have three players. 
going through a whole campaign that like I don't necessarily want to add uh, people to that. Um, but getting people to come in through Slam, I think, is the way to do it. And I'm feeling really good about that. So that was really fun. Yeah, Brennan is like my DM role model. <laughs> He's like, the stuff on Dimension 20 has pushed he, my is game. He, is, he, is he your role model? He's my, nice. my role model, yeah. <laughs> He's the DM I love the most. Like, Griffin taught me how to play games, but Brennan has pushed my my understanding of what what tabletop RPGs can do to a whole new level and it was really fun being able to do it I hope you had a good time uh, and I'm, I want to hang out in person when we, when we can he's just, he's just a really good dude I was very nervous yes I was very nervous yes I think we were all nervous <laughs> yeah. it was also very apparent like as soon as we started playing I was like oh no Moxie is just the complete opposite of Dan Mills and this is going to be <laughs> a problem it was fabulous the thing that I, I wanted to shout out the thing with Moxie wearing high heels the entire time <laughs> so, so, so it funny was it was so incredible good. it was just incredible uh also, it didn't help. It didn't help that you guys thrashed my goddamn fight so quickly, and you figured out that the the bridge had a belly, <laughs> and uh, that was just that was all very funny. Listen, I like that. I like people. I like shit getting thrashed in one shots. I don't want to kill you in a one shot. What are we doing? So <laughs> that was just. Uh, I really enjoyed all of that, and being able to bring in some Robert Moses shit was always is always a fun thing. Classic New York referentialism represents the state villain is Robert Moses. That's quite true. <laughs> And finally, Andy Noel asked on Insta, how can we get more slam? Great question. <laughs> you go and you tweet. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I'm not kidding. Go tell Hero Forge that you want more slam. We've only been able to do slam because Hero Forge was the full sponsor of all of it. And we love them. They've been incredibly kind to us. And we have a bunch of minis of the people of the uh, the robot devil and all of your characters. So tell them that you really enjoy it. Keep listening and hopefully they'll keep sponsoring it. Yeah, they've been really, really fun to work with and really kind. And I'm like, hey, can we can we do more slams? And they're like, sure. So uh, telling uh, them that you really enjoy this the episode in a, in a nice way uh, is very useful. And telling us as well, we appreciate it. We're you know trying a bunch of stuff. We were accidentally a weekly podcast for several months, um, and we're you know <laughs> we're trying to give you uh, good stuff that you enjoy. So we so appreciate everybody um, you know reaching out with questions for their after party episodes and reactions. And our Discord on release day is like my favorite part of the internet because oh, yeah. everybody's kind of going through the episodes and, and talking to us and talking to each other. So, you know, hearing what you think and what you like is really, really useful. Yeah. That is at Hero Ford Minis on Twitter. <laughs> All one word. All one word. Should, you, you, you should can send them an email. Them. Email, email them. them. Yeah. Emailing would get would get closer to the people with the monies, I think, probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Spoily Corner will return in the next after party because many of your questions will be answered uh, in episode 33. So many of them. Uh, but for now, I think that's all, everybody. Oh, yeah. Keep telling me what the fuck. Yeah, I'm deli it's delicious. I love it. It, it fuels me. Dum, 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 dum. It's like someone said it was like uh, Franny drinking the undying light. <laughs> yes. That's what it's like. It literally fuels me if I don't get a what the fuck uh, or that I've traumatized you from this D&D game. I can't live and can't function, so I very much need you to do it. I carry it around in a little sippy cup just or in a little to-go cup like Franny does. Adorable. <laughs> I love that. Alright, bye guys. Later. Bye. May your rolls trend ever upward.
Was there like a an iconic dog that looked like that? Like a Jack Russell? Yeah, Wishbone Yeah, Wishbone's a Jack Russell. Is he wiry or is he like soft-coated? No, he was wiry, I feel like. I never pet Wishbone, so I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Except for the time I was invited onto the set of Wishbone, I actually have never touched Wishbone. 